What's up, everyone? We've got another episode here for our urine review series, and this time I brought in the big guns. All right. I've got a very special guest with me today to talk about the players who are on absolute heaters for the last half of the season. Is it sustainable? Where are they going to be next draft season? Stick with us and we'll tell you. All right. These are the second half superstars. Let's get to bigs. You're listening to Fantasy NHL Today. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Fantasy NHL Today, and I am your host, Blake Creamer. Please follow me on Twitter, at BlakeCreamerSE. That's where we bring the tweet heat, all right? And uh, we also got a Discord here. Uh, The link is in the description. You get your biscuits in there, as per usual, and we talk about fantasy hockey all the time, all right? Because we're addicted. Um, One of the many things that I love about recording this podcast is that I get to meet and pick the brains of true fantasy experts. And I got one here today. All right. He's a contributor at McKean's hockey. He's a sports betting analyst. He's been with TSN, the athletic and much, much more the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Cullen, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Spend some time with us. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. I I tend to go off on my intros. I I don't know. That's that's why I have a podcast is just so I can release this energy. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, Cool. Um, Yeah. We're talking a little bit off air here, but uh, yeah. How are you enjoying these playoffs here? What's uh, what's been your experience? You've been been catching some games and what's what's your thoughts there? Well, yeah, I'm watching a lot of it. Um, I think in general, the hockey has been really good. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some really great series. Uh, And, you know, I, I, I live in Toronto, so the, the the agony that the Maple Leafs feel uh, from game to game uh, gets felt probably a little bit more in my household, but uh, yeah. Um, in, in general, uh, I think I think it's really been uh, a good playoff so far. I'm just uh, I guess interested to see how, how how we turn out. Like if this ends up being yet another year of disappointment for the Maple Leafs, oh, a, a, I won't be yeah. surprised because you know how could you be at this point? Uh, but it, it's. Uh, to, to potentially blow a 3-1 series lead again would be just be almost too much. You'd you just have, you'd have to move the team to another city at that point, right? <laughs> like, did you see the video of that guy um, who, he's a Toronto fan who was in Tampa, I think, when they came back in that game and he's just yeah. losing his, his mind. And I just feel that. I really felt that because um, I'm a Canucks fan over here. We, you know, we've had our tortures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just going to continue for God's sake. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just, that, that video just really struck a chord. And so I, I just for Leafs fans in general, come on, like don't just win a series. You know, can can you do that, please? Don't set the record for most first round exits. That's yeah. no, that's, that's all no we're asking, really. Yeah, no, it's it's been good though. I've been really enjoying the playoffs. Um, yeah, well, I got you here. So something that I like to do here on uh, Fantasy NHL today is I've, I've really been dabbling in advanced statistics, um, pretty much all season, and this is the, honestly the first season where I'm I'm starting to use that in my valuing of players and you know just trying to get a little edge here so um you know what i wanted to sort of get your take on that so what stats do you look at when you're projecting players and and values come draft season do you use advanced stats or 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 which ones do you use and what do you like yeah i I do and and i mean i've always been a a pretty big uh, quote-unquote believer i don't know if believer is quite the right, right way to frame it but um of advanced stats and largely because we've learned about the predictive value of them 
Right. Uh, and so when I, you know, when I started uh, many, many years ago doing fantasy sports, that there was nothing uh, in the, in the way of advanced stats and it, your, your analysis got, got pretty basic, certainly when you look back on it, yep. <laughs> um, but as, as time has gone on and, and, and you you realize, you know, how, how percentages can regress and, um, and basically the sustainability uh, of, of offense, right. Is that you can, you can look at um, a guy's numbers over a, a small sample of games and if it doesn't have sort of supporting um, whether it's uh shots on goal, shot attempts, uh, high danger chances. Like you need something basically to, to kind of cling to as, okay, this is the reason why um, that goal total is, is a reasonably sustainable one because you can't, you can't just um, be of the mind that, Oh, he, he did this over the last 20 games. That's who he is now because right. we've, we have found that, that is that isn't how hockey statistics work is, is that you know the, the guy who is awesome for those 20 games and you think oh this is who he is now and then all of a sudden the shooting percentage goes cold and you lose it all and so that that has uh, become my i guess my my main thrust when i am doing projections and things like that is uh i, I shots are, are the sort of fundamental one for me but then uh, high danger chances expected goals are also um you know that that gives you a, a little bit more uh, on the on the shot quality side of things too yeah absolutely um I, I one thing i feel about advanced stats is that it's kind of like taking control a little bit you know what i mean instead of chasing performances we're doing something proactive and we're like yep. okay Let's try Let's see. I mean, it doesn't work out every time, but, you know, like because sports are just unpredictable. But, you know, if we can put some things in our corner, then, you know, why wouldn't you? You know give, what I mean? Give yourself whatever edge you can get, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then doesn't that make you just respect like that old uncle that would like dominate the family hockey pools back in the day? You're like, how, how are you keep winning? Like, it doesn't even yeah. make any sense. What are you like a savant? It's like, you know, it was like Rain Man. You know, I had that with my... Uh, you know, uh, my family has like a, a hockey pool that they would do every year. And I was really young. Uh, so and then we moved before I could really join it. But we always had like one uncle or like my grandma would just dominate <laughs> every year. Ridiculous. Yeah. Like, what you know, what's going on? But, uh, you know, on that note, actually, uh, I just I'm just curious. I, I like when I have guests here, I kind of like to see this. What, what got you into fantasy? Like because um, it's a, it's kind of niche, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's um, and like I know that that's kind of my story, a part of it. But like what, what got you into fantasy? Well, I would say the, the very first would have been, goodness, we're, we're going back to about the mid eighties, uh, is my dad, uh, had like ho- playoff hockey pools, uh, with, um, coworkers and, and things like that. And, and you right. know, and so he, he would feed into like, I was already kind of a hockey stats nerd at that point. And, right. and he would kind of feed into that obsession. You know, who, who should I, who should I pick would be, and, and I, you know, go through all the research and, and come up with, with players for him, um, and so that would be kind of the very first time that I uh, got into it. And, and that just sort of snowballed, I guess. I, um, in high school, I had friends who, who we had our own hockey pool and, and it was pretty involved. And, you know, yeah. given, given the time that, that it was like any, anytime you're doing this kind of pre-internet where you had to pull out the newspaper and, and yeah. update it on Tuesday. The actual you know, paper with like, a pencil, like, right? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. The, there's a lot of effort involved. The in, newspaper. The yeah. Internet, I remember right? that. The, the kids don't know these things, No, <laughs> uh, and, but all for the better, because, yeah. because this is one of the, the great things about the internet is that uh, fantasy sports got a massive boom because of that. It connected all these people. It gave you all this data, and it it took the organizing, the managing of of these games, and took that out of your hands and made it much easier. And so, um, so you know, from that early start, I 
was kind of always interested uh, in fantasy. And then how did I end up doing it? Uh, I guess, you know, professionally is um, like, I, I took economics in school. Uh, okay. And so I was, I had sort of a numbers angle to me uh, to begin with um, play, played university hockey. And then, and as I was kind of winding up my, my uh, career, I was like, you know, I'm not really feeling the economics. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, but I had been doing some writing for the school paper. And, and so I kind of, shifted in that direction um but relatively early in my in my career i i had opportunities to to start writing uh fantasy analysis um uh, for the sports forecaster magazines okay um right and, and i mean this is a long time ago uh but back when magazines the the preview magazines were huge yep. um and and, was and so that, that a long time ago, Scott? Oh my God! It is. It's a long time ago. Oh, I used to get those um, NHL yearbooks. Oh man. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, so that's how how I kind of got started. And as I've said to you know, lots of people in the meantime, is that the reason that I kind of gravitated to fantasy was that that's what the market uh, offered, right? Like sports betting was not a, a widespread thing, certainly not legally, and and sports analytics hadn't even taken off at all but from my perspective i've always kind of processed sports through the stats and and so the way to you know use that in in a professional sense was oh well i'm going to do fantasy sports because you know it's it's legal it's expanding everywhere uh, across the internet and um kind of it plays to my interests and and so that's how i got uh really into it uh and as time has gone on yes i'm still really into fantasy sports but you know because sports betting has, has become, you know, more widespread and sports analytics has become much more advanced uh, over the last decade. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I would say I've branched out a bit so that it, it's not just fantasy sports, but it's, it's all kind of coming from the same spot is that I, I'm trying to figure out puzzles and mysteries and so on using the numbers uh, for sports. I love that, man. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like a, it's like a puzzle to be solved. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you solve something, because you'll never solve the whole thing, you know, but it's like when you solve something, you're like, oh, yeah. And then if you give that information to somebody else and they do something with it, it's like, oh, this is this is insane. Like, oh, I yeah, love that. It, it, it feels like there's validation there. You know, mm-hmm. when you hit on, oh, yeah, this is a guy who's going to have a big year this year. And he does. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. See, you know, I, yeah, I told Real, you just yeah, a little feather in the cap. That's that's nice. And, and so it's, it's <laughs> nice to get those every now and then. Absolutely, man. I love this stuff. I started a little bit uh, later in life, but yeah, I had a very similar experience to yourself. Like, uh, I remember specifically like my stepdad had a work hockey pool and, uh, yeah, he basically gave it to me to make all the picks and we won, we won like $900 or something back in like, you know, 1996 or something like that. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. So that's all I needed. Yeah. I got to go buy a new hockey stick and a bunch of crap. So it was pretty sweet, but, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. That's, that's nostalgia for me. I could actually talk on fantasy all day. I love this stuff, but we got to get the biz. All right. Um, so for today's show for Matt, um, I just wanted, uh, while I've got Scott here, I wanted uh, him and myself to take a look at a few players that got cooking in the back half of the year here. So um, I was saying earlier, it's a trend I like to look at during drafts, you know, who's flying in the second half and and uh, even into the playoffs. I might do a, a, you know, playoff performer show as well, but uh, I find players tend to emerge at this point, you know, um, guys you, you just weren't on your radar. Like think, think players like, you know, last year, Valerie Nachuskin or Lekkonen, you know, the avalanche, like, you know, then they became kind of bigger players this year, right. Or players, draftable players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes those players fl- flip a switch, they click with their line mates, they gain more of the coach's trust. So 
I think I like to look at that. Um, also, I find doing this kind of analysis of these second half superstars, you can find players that really blew their value for next season, right? Like they're they're red they're redlining, you know. Um, I mean, it, and and it's gonna blow their ADP out of the water. There, there's gonna be no value to be had in draft season. And like think like players like you know last year Matt Duchesne, right, or Alex mm-hmm. DeBrinket, right? They had great seasons. You know, Duchesne was not sustainable. We all know that, but. You know, still he got drafted. He he shouldn't have been drafted until way later. Anywho, <laughs> um, you know, um, I just like to take notice of these players, right? Um, I asked Scott to bring you know uh, three to five players here, so we're going to chat on that. I, I like to use this as a data point moving forward into next season, and that's what we're here to do. Is this something you ever look at, Scott? This uh, like second half or any trends that you sort of follow during the season? Yeah, totally. Um, and I mean. There, there's there's an arbitrary nature to going okay well first half second half but yeah. but but we're trying to just kind of pick up on some trends right and and as you said like the there are all these possibilities for why a player may have um picked up in the, in the second half and, and then it's sort of your responsibility if, if you're if you're really into this stuff to find out why right mm-hmm. it's not it's not enough to just go oh well he, he he scored 25 points in the first half and 50 in the second half there you go he's he's twice the player you know, you, you can find out, well, is it more ice time? Is it better line mates? Is it power play time? You know, is it dumb luck? Like, yeah, you, you, you can go through and kind of come up with what your version is to explain uh, that increase. Right. And, and, you know, as, as you've said before, you know, maybe you're not going to get everything right on this, but if, if you actually put some analysis and thought into it, you're going to get an edge. And, and that's, that's, so that's, you know, you, you could say, okay, well, the last quarter of the season, you, you could yeah, uh, yeah. do it that way too, but the halfway point is a pretty, pretty decent, uh, kind of sample to be able to compare it to the first half. Yeah, absolutely. You said it like, if, if we find out why we can find out if they can do it again. Right. Yeah. And then we can get on the ground floor of guys that are giving us value, or we can get off the train of Matt Duchesne. All right. Because <laughs> yeah, what the hell are you doing? My 40 goals last year. What is he doing? Uh, yeah, that's not happening again. All right, let's, let's carry on. All right. So, uh, just to give you a little bit of context, we are going to start here shortly. All right. 15 minutes in, I am getting a little long in the tooth. All right. I do that, but, uh, so I'll give you some context. I'll rattle off the top 10 point getters from January 11th, 2023 to the end of the season, which was April 14th. All right. Number one, two and three big surprise. Connor McDavid. Yeah. 76 points in 40 games. Okay. He's killing it. Maybe not so much in the playoffs. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, 72 points in, in 43 games. Love that. And then Uncle Leon. Hello. 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 Dry Seidel, uh, 66 points in 40 games. Yeah, no question there. Those guys were killing. Uh, Matt Kachuk at four. Um, I love that, actually. Um, you know, he had an amazing season last season with Calgary, and I honestly didn't expect him to do that again this year. So I think I've seen enough. Like, this guy is clearly a superstar, and then his performance in the playoffs, just what he does. He's, he's just a guy's a unit. Um, but anyways, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins at five uh, with 56 points. Uh, that's, you know, we've talked about him before. Just a lot of power play points there uh, kind of driving that. And then Braden Point at six. Um, 55 points tied uh, in 43 games, and then Miko Ranton in 55 points as well. David Pasternak with 55 points as well. So in the back half of the season, the last two are Nikita Kucherov and Elias Pettersson with 54 points respectively in the last half of the season. Yeah, that's your list. I mean, anything stand out there to you, Scott? Like just any names uh, that, that are, I mean, obviously there's a couple surprises, but any thoughts on anyone there? Well, one of the ones that kind of interests me is McKinnon. And not mm. not that it's a surprise to see Nathan McKinnon up there, but the that his goal scoring uh, 
was mm. up the way um, in that in that second half. Like, and, and you know, the Avalanche really needed it really this year, given all yeah. the injuries yeah. they had had, and then so for that kind of second half surge for them to you know get into the uh, not just get into the playoffs but win their division, and um, they they needed him to to be more than just the playmaker. And, and I yeah. mean, look, Miko Rinnan, what he scored 55 goals. He, he, he carried a lot of that too, but because, you know, they didn't have Gabriel Landeskog and Natushka missed, missed a bunch of time and, you know, injuries throughout that lineup, they needed McKinnon to, to be more than just playmaker. And, and he stepped up to, to doing that. And, and now to me, the, the interesting question is, can he kind of be that guy going forward? Because um, that, that offensive production is, I mean, that he can finally get over hundred points is not some giant shock. Uh, he's kind of been knocking on the door there for a while, uh, but could he be a guy that can score you 40 or 50 goals? That, that becomes a, I guess a, a more compelling argument and that pushes him up even higher on draft day. Yeah, absolutely. It's similar to Connor McDavid this year, like scoring goals way at a way higher pace than he did last year. Like I remember just seeing an interview with uh, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, speak, you know, the way he was talking to Connor McDavid, he's like, you need to, you need to score more goals this year. And they were kind of having that conversation where like, you know, because Leon Dreisaitl is an amazing uh, setup man as well. Um, but like, it's just neat that players like McKinnon and McDavid, like these really elite level players, like they can change their game. You know, and that's and McKinnon, like exactly. You know, now he's he's being the goal scorer instead of the you know the the play driver. So um, yeah, he's a beauty. I mean, it helps that he's you know was was healthy for a lot of the season, right? Yeah. Like, um, oh man, I have a bad draft story. I had first overall pick a couple years ago, and I thought I'd get cute and take McKinnon instead of McDavid. Oh my god! Get to the chopper, right. Mac, Mac, get to the chopper. What the? No, he, you know, I just have to keep putting it out there on my podcast just just to remind myself, like, hey, buddy, don't be a dingus, all right? You always <laughs> got to take me, David, all right, unless he's coming off knee injury or something like that, all right? Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of these players, but that's, that's just kind of neat. Those are guys that were cooking in the back half of the year. So what I want to do now is kind of just go back and forth with you here, Scott. So I'll do a player, sure. you'll do a player. And we'll just kind of talk on those guys and, and see what's what's what. All right. And yep. see where we where we want to draft these stallions. All right. Um, first guy I want to talk about is Braden Points. <laughs> I love this man. This you know, this is uh um this is a player like we talked about, you know, hitting on a player. I, this wasn't rocket science, but like come, you know, draft season last year, Yahoo's ADP. ESPN ADP. This guy was was it was ridiculously low. You know, you could get Braden Point at, at 112. I think that was his ADP on Yahoo. 112. <laughs> what the, what's you know? No, he, he plays yeah. on Tampa Bay on the first line and first power play. What are we doing? Yeah. But um, you know, so let's get into it. Um, Brad, it, actually, I picked him up everywhere too. I had him like I played like nine uh, fantasy teams this year. I'm gonna have to drop that down because that was nine. insane. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. <laughs> yes, but I mean, I had him on like six teams, you know, and I drafted him earlier than 112, obviously, because I wanted mm-hmm. him, but yeah, he really hit this year. So um, back half of the season, Braden Point, 55 points in 43 games. Love that. Um, for uh, context, he had 40 in 39 in the first half. So so he, he played well all season, no question, but really turned it up a gear in the second half. Finished with 95 and 82 um, let's look at Braden Point. So let's look under the hood here. Um, 
you know, one thing about Braden Point's season this year is he was really redlining with his shooting percentage. Um, you know, he, he got the highest shooting percentage of his career. Is a 21, 21.7% is the highest he's ever had. He also had the highest shots on goal per, uh, per game that he's ever had at 2.9. So that's great. Last year, he had 58 points in 66 games. So I can see why his ADP was lower, but I mean, bang, you know, this, this is, this is exactly what you want to see. He was cooking on the power play. Um, you know, a couple of advanced stats that I like to look at Scott is uh, shots and goal. I like rate stats. So shots and goal per 60 yeah. individual Corsi four per 60, and then individual scoring chances four per 60. So um, I did, I, when I look under the hood on players that those are the three that I like to target, especially shots and goal per 60, like, like you were saying, um, just shots being King, right? You, you're not going to get any points if you're not shooting the puck right yeah. so um so second half of the season um it's interesting with Braden point actually because he had more points in the first or in the second half but his he actually performed worse um in the second half in terms of advanced stats which is kind of neat to see right yeah. it's like his he so second half his shots on goal per 60 uh, they went down by by almost two shots as opposed to what it was in the first half so he was yeah. shooting a lot less in the second half um, and in the first half, his scoring chances for were 18th overall in the league. Um, and in the second half, that bumped down to 45th. So it, advanced statistics show that it's a player, you know, he, he's, doing, he's doing a little worse, right? And he got less power play points in the second half too. So, so what the hell happened? Why, why did this happen? Um, and, you know, um, his shooting percentage. It, it was crazy. This man was converting yeah. at a ridiculous rate, right? Um, yeah. Also, he was 36 overall in the league in individual uh, high danger uh, scoring chances for per 60. So, mm. um, you know, he, he's just he, he's a talented player and he, he, you know, he drives a lot of uh, high danger chances himself. Right. And we've seen, yeah. you know, some of points highlights. Right. But I think when you when you're cooking at 21 percent, it's that that's going to come down. That's going to regress down to the mean. And I think, that, you know, that was the highest of his career. And I think this is this season here is is ceiling Braden Point. Right. So yeah. I, that's, that's my opinion. Like, I don't think 95 points is an expectation for Braden point. I think that he's an effective shot converter. He always has been throughout his career, but not this effective. I mean, what, yeah. what you know, buddy. Um, so I, I think I'm expecting negative aggression there. That said, like, I think point per game, Braden point is great, but I, but I do think that he kind of, you know, blew his value out of the water. We're not going to get him at 112 next year. He's going to be maybe third, fourth round, right? Yeah. Which may, may be a little rich, maybe even higher. I don't know. So what, what, what's your take on Braden Point there, Scott? Yeah, there'll be no discounts, I think. On, no, on no discounts. And that's, um, but the, the the point you're making off the top, and, and I, I probably a couple of years ago, I, I, was, I went a little early on my my love for Braden Point because of like, he's playing with Kucherov. I mean, this is yeah. this is a great opportunity to, for him to, you know, put up huge points in it. It hasn't been there. And part of it, too, is that you, you see some of the success he's had in the playoffs and, and you think, well, maybe he maybe he can't carry that through a full NHL season, but he could easily be point per game guy. Um, you know, if, if if he can do this in the playoffs against all, uh, all the better teams, he could surely uh, put up uh, those numbers in the regular season. And he and he hadn't up, up until this year. Um, yes, the shooting percentage is really high, especially in the second half this year, but he's also tended to be a, a higher um, yes. Percentage shooter. I think he's 17, 18% generally. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to come down, but it's not going to collapse in the way that it might for some, some players. Like uh, there's some players that are typically at 12%, all of a sudden they're scoring at 20. Well now, you know, you're, there's a, a bigger drop to be had there. Uh, yeah. And so, so yeah, I, I'm, I think we're in similar position here on point is that yes. Uh, I, I think where he has, has been this year is probably the, the ceiling, 
for which, which then means there's, there's not a great value in what you're going to get on on draft day for him. But it's also worth being aware of that. That um, yeah. you know, don't don't look at what he's done this year and think, oh, this, this is a stepping stone to another level because the statistics probably don't don't bear that out. Yep, totally agree. Who do you got? Who you got for a player here, Scott? All right. Um, well, you know, my my first one is uh, McKinnon, so I'm I'm going to stick with him, even though I mentioned him before. And the, re- the reason I yeah, the reason I, I like Nate Dog here is um, <laughs> one because he uh, he always has been able to generate shots, like and, and so even at the the first uh, first half of the season, he only played 28 games, but he scored 11 goals, on 148 shots. So he's getting more than five shots per game, and yeah, you know, there, there are very few guys who can who can generate shots at that rate. Uh, and so then in the you know the not even the second half as a this is kind of a little bit into the second half. So it was last 32 games of the year. Um, again, he was over five shots per game, 164 shots in the last 32 games. We had 28 goals, 28 assists uh, in 32 games, which is, um, you know, fantastic. Yeah, uh, love you, that. Know, you, you, you put that out over a full season. That's actually like 70 goals, 70 assists kind of, kind of pace. Now I don't expect that, that that's who Nathan McKinnon is either. Like um, one of the things, and, and this has sort of been an issue throughout his career is that for as much as he generates uh shots at, at you know a, a super elite rate sometimes the shooting percentage just isn't there uh, for him in fact early in his career that the, they talk about this bargain contract that he's on that's why he's on this bargain contract because mm-hmm. early in his career he wasn't finishing he he and it basically helped suppress his numbers enough that when the avalanche gave him this big contract extension it was still at a pretty reasonable price whereas now um now that he's finishing now that he you know i mean if you finish at a decent rate when you're putting up five shots a game well the number is going to follow and yeah. i think that's that's where they are with mckinnon right now and so uh and, and the fact that he's done this this year on a depleted avalanche team like you know if you, if you could you know be optimistic that uh they're, they're healthy and, and at full strength next year um I, i'd see there's no reason for his numbers to uh to slide back yeah, absolutely. Love this player. And then just the eye test, watching this guy play is like, whoa. You know, he's doing stuff out there. It's just crazy. You're like, get off me, man. And then it just rips the top corner. You're like, how are you doing this? God. Well, you, you know what's great is that from that outdoor game last year, when Alex Petrangelo sees McKinnon winding up on him, and, and Petrangelo, who's been in the league forever and is one of the top defensemen, and, and you're like, uh-oh. You know, he yeah, realizes yeah. that you know, I'm in trouble because here comes McKinnon at top speed. And so oh, that, man. that's happening with Petrangelo. Think, think what happens when, you know, you're a third pair defenseman who gets caught out there against him. Like, yeah, that, like, that's like make news. a change, line change, get off. Um, yeah, yeah well, uh, quick question on McKinnon. So next season at number two, are you taking McKinnon, Drysaddle, or maybe Matthews? I'll throw Matthews in there because he was like a kind of a number two this year, but yeah. he'll probably, he's not going to be number two this year. I'm probably inclined to take McKinnon now. Bang! You know, we we'll, we'll have to see whether you know, like like I would I would like this better if the Avalanche are healthy and I can say okay, yes, Landeskog is yeah. is there and Nachushkin is there and and you know we'll we'll see what the how how they decide they're doing their lines. But if you give me uh, you know a relatively healthy Nathan McKinnon with relatively healthy line mates, I, I think there's a there's a pretty safe uh, position there now. And, and Look, I guess Dry Dry is awfully safe in his own right. There's yeah, no no complaining <laughs> about that. But I um, certainly for fantasy purposes, where where shots uh, count, like if, if you're in leagues that count shots, that that to me is what pushes McKinnon up over Dry because Dry is this super high percentage finisher. 
right? Like, as we've talked about, guys, well, it's unsustainable to shoot at twenty percent. Guess what? Yeah, Leon Dreisaitl has been there for like four, four yeah. or five years now, and and you know, I, I've stopped uh, expecting regression there. Yeah, like I, yeah. You know, in, in the initial year or two when you shoot that high, I'm like, oh, it's it's coming down. But then you do it for four or five, and it's going okay. Well, I guess I, I can shut up and, and realize that, that that's who he is, and and he happens to be really rare in that respect. And so, so yeah. it, that if we're talking just points, well, Dreisaitl is probably a safer bet. Um, but if if we're talking kind of full fantasy package, um, then McKinnon would probably be my choice. I love it. There you go. This guy's a beauty, um, and he did this without Landeskog too this year. So we'll see. I don't know yeah. if this. Is- Maybe that affects him in a positive way coming back. Who knows? All right. I'm going to rip one here. Let's talk about my boy, Timmy Stutz. Tim Stutzla. Yeah, this guy, uh, this this is another player I'm unreasonably high on going into next season. And it's kind of funny when I, like, I love players like Tim Stutzla. I'm like, yeah, nope, I'm going to pick him. Like, I, like I might reach for Tim Stutzla. I think he's going to have a yeah. big year. And then I get into the advanced stats and I'm like, Oh man, what the hell? Nah, he, he's not he's not giving me the numbers exactly that I want to see for for an elite player. So, you know, we'll see. I might uh, I, I don't know what I'll do with Timmy Suits. But anyways, um 51 points in the last 41 games on the back half of the year. He did have very respectable 39 points and 37 in the first half and he finished with 90 in 78. That's a breakout season. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Uh, I don't know if I, I didn't expect 90 this season. That's for sure. Like, um, you know, I thought maybe, you know, we'll, we'll go up a little gradually. Give me a 70 point season and an 80 and, you know, ripped up just straight to 90. No problem. Um, Cause he had 58 points last year. Um, so this yeah. is a huge breakout for Tim Stutes in his third year. Right. So that, that happens sometimes. And this is a prime case of that. So, um, you know, his shooting percentage went up, went way up by like 5% over his uh, last year. Um, so he was shooting at 17.1. He had 2.9 shots per game. Love that. Um, another thing about Timmy Stutes, like in uh, category league, he bangs. All right, he does that. She bangs, she bangs. Oh, baby, when she moves, she moves. Um, but uh, one of the big things that happened with Tim Stutzla is his deployment. Oh, my God. Um, you know, like, I love deployment. That's so, you know, we talked about advanced stats, but for me personally, like one of the simple stats that I always look at is deployment. And I know it sounds mm-hmm. ridiculous, like, you know, okay, yeah, he's getting a lot of ice time, but like th- there's a lot that goes into getting this kind of ice time that Tim Stutzler gets. Like he, he got 21 minutes and 16 seconds average ice time. Um, that's massive. Like that says to me that the coach has full confidence in this guy. Like he's putting him out there on number one power play, number one center. He's putting him out there in the last minute of games, right? Like, um, and when you got a player like that, you have to take notice. Like there, there's other players like that in the league that I really like, like Boone Jenner. For, for instance, you know what I mean? Yeah. The guy gets like over 20 minutes a night, you know, he's not performing to Stussel's level, but those are guys I like to start targeting. And those are guys that have value later on. Right. But anyways, Timmy Stutz, let's, let's look under the hood see what's going on here. So yeah, his, his advanced statistics, nothing to write home about. What are you doing? Timmy Stutz, you're making me look like a dingus. All right. But uh, yeah, shots and goal for 60 first half. He was 228th in a league. That's not good. Uh, 150th overall in individual Corsi four, and then 54th overall in individual scoring chances four for 60 in the first half. All right. So I'm not gonna, his second half numbers were all marginally better than that. So he improved a little bit there. Um, he was similar to Braden Point, though. He had less power play points in the second half they did in the first half. 
so what the hell happened? How, how does this happen? <laughs> you know, and the 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 re the only reason I can see for this point pace is what I said uh, is the insane deployment, right? That he's that's to, so he's bludgeoning his way to statistics, right? He's out on the ice a lot more, mm -hmm. and he has way better players to play with this season than he did last season in Ottawa, right? Um, you know. Like uh, just just the the lineups that he that he was rolling with you know night to night were were much better than he was like he was really the only guy him and Brady Kachuk you know last season but um, mm -hmm. um, yeah lots more uh, horses in the stable this time um, and also they didn't have a second line center right <laughs> like Josh Norris was yeah. injured so Stutz is out there doing his thing like no one's coming for his minutes he's he's chugging minutes he's eating the Thanksgiving dinner uh, you know no problem um, so <laughs> I think. Moving forward, because of the advanced statistics, I think Stutz is probably going to go a little early for my liking in draft season. And next year, I'm probably still going to draft him way too early. Oh, God, I don't <laughs> want to do it. You know, he's only 21. Uh, I, so to me, I'm like, yeah, like let's like he's getting into the wheelhouse, right? And a 90 point season at 21, I love that. But the stats don't exactly back me up on all, with all this, right? So I think you know next season if his if his numbers go down, his time on ice, if that goes down to let's say like 19 or 18, 30, I think. Uh, like he needs to increase his shots, obviously. Like mm -hmm. if he can start increasing his shots on goal per 60, I think now we're cooking. Right. Um, and I think maybe less time on ice, like he might be a little fresher. Right. Um, there is something to be said for that. I mean, you're playing 20, you know, 21 minutes and he was playing more than that. Some nights He's playing like a 24 minute game, like just, just craziness. Right. So I still think that Timmy Stutes is a point per game player, you know, but uh, he might be getting drafted in like, the end of the second round, early third round. And I don't know. That's a little bit, that might be a little bit rich. That's probably where I'll take him like a dingus that I am. But, uh, you know, I want to get on the ground floor with Timmy Stutz. All right. But I love this player. I just, I don't know. I, the, the, I think he was redlining here. Um, yeah. And with his shooting percentage too, I think that has, that'll probably regress down a little bit. I don't know where, where are you at with Timmy Stutz? This is the interesting thing about like a young guy on the rise. Uh, mm -hmm. is that is that even if the the underlying numbers aren't quite there you're still a, of the mind that well the the career trajectory is going this way why right. why am i going to be you know expecting things to go go down now you know not everybody's career goes on that straight yes. uh, tra trajectory and and maybe that's the the case with Stutzla is that if next year um yeah there's a little less ice time with with Norris there and percentages come down a bit and and maybe it is an eighty point season. And, and look, eighty point season out of a twenty two year old center, still really, awesome. yeah. still really good. And and there's you know nothing to be upset about there. Uh, but I think there is some legitimate risk that you know unless unless the the other numbers kind of pick up that yeah maybe ninety is uh, kind of a, a top end um, based based on his current underlying numbers. Now if you know if he takes another step forward because he's a young player on the rise and, and a young player with elite pedigree. This isn't some guy who kind of came yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. Like he was, he was drafted third. And even, even that might've been, um, you know, brought down a bit because he's, because he's coming out of Germany and, and doesn't have this pedigree. Like if he had played in the Western hockey league, you'd, you know, you'd have scouts tripping all over him, but eh, you know, so, so yeah. I think that's the kind of, that's, that all goes into the kind of evaluation of what you, what you think he can be. Um, and I think kind of what, what he showed this past year is like, is a hundred point season possible for Stutzla? I think it is. Uh, I, I wouldn't bank on it being next season. I, I think, you know, it, it, oh, might require another, oh <laughs> it might be another year or two of, you know, developing and, and picking up yeah. the kind of the total package before, yep. before he becomes that kind of star. 
He's a young man. He's he's probably getting ADX near uh, next year. Book it. I don't know. All right, who you got? Who you got, Scott? All right, I'm going to go with Clayton Keller uh, for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Love it. Not not only because uh, he came back from a horrible broken leg uh, last year, and, and the fact that he um, made made it back to to play a full season at, at all is a credit to him like you know you read the stories about kind of the, the extra effort that was required and and not not every athlete does that you know you you, you there are plenty of uh, guys who are hurt and uh, they get back when they get back i mean they're getting paid uh but in keller's case he kind of as soon as he broke his leg it was uh all hands on deck and, and trying to figure out how quickly he can get back and and get back at you know full strength and he did um you know, and, and this year, he, his second half, he had 23 goals, 26 assists in 42 games. Um, and I think, you know, as, as I keep harping on, I, I love guys uh, who increase their shot rates. Uh, yes. And, you know, he in the first 40 games of the year, 2.25 shots per game. And, and that's kind of been consistent with where he had been earlier in his career. He's just he really skilled player, but he doesn't generate a ton of shots. And then in the last 42 games, 3.17 shots per game. And, and that, to me, is um, kind of why I'm – high on on keller is that it seems he's figured out the you know you you have a certain ceiling on what you're going to produce if if you're putting up 2.25 shots per game you start getting up over three three and a half you start moving up into that neighborhood well you've raised the ceiling on on what is possible uh, offensively and now if we're talking kind of longer term i mean arizona comes with some limits in its own right because of um the supporting cast but if you're talking keeper leagues and and so on that um that clayton keller could have somebody like logan cooley um, to play with for for kind of years to come, you know. There, there's I think really long term upside, and I think Keller, um, you know, he he's had a, a good career up until this season. I think this season he took it to uh, to another level, and and it, it's the kind of thing that um, for fantasy purposes and kind of get overlooked. You know that yeah. that you you do you do have this big season for an Arizona Coyotes team that has no shot at the playoffs, and and it's happening in Arizona. People might miss it, um, and I, I think. Uh, the guy, the guy that he was in the second half of the season, I think, you know, certainly where he is in his career, like these are his prime years. I think he can be that guy um, for the the next few years going forward. Yeah, um, the Coyotes fun team, um, and and teams like the Coyotes and the Anaheim Ducks, they get faded, right? People are like, oh, ah, sure. like this guy just got, you know, he was a point per game. Um, he played the whole 82 and his, his line was ridiculous. Like I actually loved, especially towards the end of the season. Cause I'm in, I was in a lot of head to head leagues, you know, mm-hmm. and Arizona always seemed to have like an amazing fantasy schedule. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, give me Nick Schmaltz. Like I picked up Nick Schmaltz in like February, like just kept him for the rest. Love Nick Schmaltz. Uh, I couldn't get Keller obviously cause he's just incendiary yeah. and he was drafted, but go ahead. What do you say? Well, I was going to say Barrett Hayton. Uh, oh yeah, Ridiculous. had huge value uh, down the stretch this year. I mean, hey, you get the chance to play with a guy like Keller, but you know, for for the first few years of Barrett Hayden's career, I think there was a lot of question about whether yeah. uh, whether he he was going to live up to being the fifth overall pick. Um, and then all of a sudden, the kind of second half of this year, you might be, oh, maybe he might. Uh, yeah, you know, he he was a legit uh, scoring threat, generated a lot, a lot of shots too. Uh, and so yeah, there's kind of another reason to be optimistic about Arizona moving forward. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you said, Logan Cooley on the way up. And how about our boy? I know you like this man, the juice box. Yusuf Alamaki. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. Would you like some juice? Love that, man. I, I, I was pushing Valamaki for a long time. Like, yeah, get chickens out of there. Here we go. Runway's clear. It's power play time. Not all pee times are poo-poo times. 
but all poopoo times are pee times. And he did okay, you know, but I think next season, if, if he can continue with that role, just a, just a player I like, you know, like a back-end player you might pick up and, and get a surprise from. Yep. The juice box. That's what I like to call him. All right, all right cool. Let's carry on. Um, I want to talk about Jared McCann of the Seattle Kraken. This guy, you know, uh, was well known to be having a great second half here with the Kraken. Um, so first half of the season, he had uh, 27 points in 37 games, right? So nothing to write home about, you know, he's, he's doing stuff out there. Um, but how about 43 points in the last 42? That's excellent. Right. And he, so he finished with 70 points in 79 games. Uh, he was the leader on that team offensively. A um, couple big things that stand out for me with Jared McCann. Well, first off, I, I like to just look at his basic stats here. So last season, uh, in 74 games, he had 50 points this season, 79 games, 70 points. All right. Thank you, buddy. That's, that's, we like to see that going up. All right. Um, you know, and what was different? Like we'll look at a couple of things like, you know, as, as has been in this discussion so far, his shooting percentage was the highest in his career. All right. 19%. That's nice. You know, his shots on goal maintained his ice time maintained his power play time maintained nothing really, uh, not a big difference from last season. So what happened? This one was a little more challenging to try and figure out, right? It's like, what, what was this man doing? Right. So, First half of the season, shots on goal per 60. This is key. So he had 7.47 shots on goal per 60 in the first half. That's good for 169th overall. Nice. Um, and then the second half of the season, he was 50th overall in shots on goal per 60. So with 9.56. So that's that's huge, right? Um, a number that uh, I've kind of learned to, to really look for, shots on goal per 60, is 10 and up. So shots mm-hmm. and goal per 60, 10 and up. That is indicative of, of a an elite offensive player or someone who's generating a lot of chances. Like that's a number where if you see someone averaging 10 shots and goal per 60, that's a player I like to look at and see like, what's going on. Is this, what's their situation? What's the opportunity? Right. Um, And McCann is almost there. He's 9.56. So that's great. He turned a corner halfway through the season or, you know, thereabouts. Right. Yeah. Um, What happened? Like it's, it's just so (laughs) weird. Um, So 70 points for McCann to me, I, I, it, I think what, what ended up happening is he just became more the focal point offensively and he upped his shots, right? He started yep. shooting more, a lot more. And I think you can contribute that to his line sort of cooking a little bit. Like he spent most of the season with, who the hell was it? It was, uh, yeah, ben, uh, Matty Benier, Beniers. I still don't know how to say this man's name. And uh, Jordan Everly, right? So they yep. they they spent most of the season together and they they had some some chemistry, right? And they started to go. So he upped his shots for sure. It's it's as simple as that, um, you know. But to me, seventy points from McCann, it's going to be tough for me next season to see that. But if he if he can keep these rates, that's up. If he can keep his shots on goal per sixty to that level, and it sucks yeah. that he's injured in the playoffs too, because it's just more data. It's it's another yeah. data point that we can see and be like, oh yeah, he is keeping that up. Great, mm-hmm. you know. So. I, I think 70 is reasonable if he can keep that up. But to me, the issue with him and the Kraken in general is, is just deployment, right? Um, he was their best offensive player and he averaged 16 minutes and 20 seconds on ice. What the? Yeah. Get this <laughs> man on the ice, buddy. What? He scored 40 goals. What are you doing? Uh, but obviously it's working. They're about to beat the avalanche for God's sake. Um, you know, but I, I really, I, I want to see more minutes, you know, that's, the, so to me, McCann is a bit of a, he's a bit of an upside play. He's a bit of a, he's a bit of a swing wherever mm-hmm. he's drafted in draft season. To me, it's like, oh, you're betting that McCann is going to, you know, really pop off, you know, 70 point minimum, like it's his floor. And I, 
I need to see more. I need to see more deployments, and I need to see uh, that he can keep this shot rate up. Right. But great season yeah. for McCann. I love to see it. I mean, I, I felt like through the season, Seattle cracking their entire team was on the waiver wire. You know what I mean? You could just, oh, yeah. Oh, Seattle has a good schedule this, this week. Like, let's just go pick up Jared McCann. You know, he's like, why is he out there? It doesn't make any sense. But I don't know. What's, how did you feel about McCann? And did you see anything that kind of, that, that, that changed with McCann throughout the year that, that you can kind of pinpoint? Well, I think um, your, your point about the elevator shot rate is really important there because, He's always been able to shoot the puck. Like, I, I remember mm-hmm. when he played yeah. for the Canucks. So, way back. Yeah, we, we didn't need um, to bring that, that up, all right? Yeah, that, you don't need no, to bring but, that up. But Roberto Luongo talking about, oh, wow, this kid can really fire the puck. And yeah, in general, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going wild about player scouting reports. But I kind of pay attention when goalies start talking about how well a guy shoots. Because totally. sometimes it, it yep. precedes... You know, it, it might take a guy a few years before he's in position to get those shots in games, right? But but in practice, he comes in and snap, snaps it by Roberto Luongo and he notices. And, yep. and so in the case of McCann, it's taken him some time to um, kind of round out his game and, and become this player. And, and look, uh, I can, you know, point point at Vancouver and ha-ha, you don't have Jared McCann. Guess what? Toronto Maple Leafs could have kept him too. They, uh, they, yeah, all, they, all, well, all, they had to, all they had to do was expose uh, Jer- uh, Justin Hall. And uh, that, well, then we knew where that went. Yeah. In the, in the expansion draft, and they could have had kept Jared McCann. The, the we're both in pain. That. Is that what you're in saying? In any case, in any yeah, case. Okay. Uh, but like I, the fact that he he's 30 plus um, is not a surprise to me, but I, I'd be kind of wary on 40 until we see whether or not, Oh, he's going to be a guy who gets you three and a half, four shots a game regularly. And, and if he's going to do that, that's probably going to be because he he's playing more than 16 minutes a game. Like you, you, if, there are not a lot of guys who you can count on scoring 40, um, 40 goals if they're only playing 16 minutes. Like you have to kind of get him up a little bit more, 18 at least, uh, and and if you're going to get those results. Yeah, it's so true. I think this, this guy could be a boomer bust pick next season, um, just all or nothing. So we'll we'll see. All right, who's your next guy here, Scott? I'm going with Carter Verhage, uh, oh, Florida yeah. Panthers, and you know what, um, Verhage is you know a, a very self-made player you know the, the the Maple Leafs had him as a prospect and he went to the Islanders and he was like a good AHL scorer um uh, when he uh, got in with Tampa Bay and and kind of got into the league but it you know there's at that point there's still no huge expectation for who Carter Verhage was going to be and now he's he's established here in the last couple of years that I mean first it, it was playing with Barkoff and and getting those opportunities and that kind of elevated his game to oh yeah he's he's a good scoring winger well this year what really kind of set him off was playing with Matthew Tkachuk yeah. um as Verhege, uh in the second half of the season uh 40 games 23 goals 17 assists uh 3.93 uh shots on goal per game uh and that to me like his first 41 games had 2.88 shots per game so like up over a shot per game from first half to second half uh this year huge and, and, and Verhege with Tachuk, like they were just obliterating opponents. They outscored their opponents 50 to 25 uh, during five on five play, which I mean, it's, it's absurd to be scoring two out of every three goals when you're on the ice uh, at the NHL level. Uh, like, you know, the, the best of the best of Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak kind of do, doesn't typically hit that level. Uh, and so, you know, that Carter Verhege is doing that alongside Tachuk. A is a credit to Matthew Tachuk, uh, but this is this is part of the reason that there's appeal to Carter Verhage is if you're playing with Matthew Tuchuk, it's a good place to be. Uh, and yeah, so absolutely. I, I expect that, you know, maybe he's not going to score you at 23 goals in 40 games kind of pace. But if he's giving you four shots on goal per game, the goals are going to keep coming, too. So I'm I'm interested to see 
uh, what Verhage does uh, in in the future. But I think if he's still playing with Matthew Tuchuk, the numbers will be there. Yeah, I'm high on this player too. Obviously, I, I like to look at even strength numbers just when I'm when I'm trying to value players. And like this guy's up there; he's elite. Um, yeah. He's getting most of his production at even strength. He only had 13 power play points. Um, he got 73 points. So 60 points of that was even strength, right? And like you said, with yeah. Matt Kachuk, um, he, he, this guy spent most of the season on second power play as well, or he was back yeah. and forth, you know. So what happens, like his time on ice, 17.30, you know, that's nice. What happens if he gets first power play, right? Same, everything the same, but he gets first power play now. Another minute, minute and a half yeah. on there, bang. Maybe we, maybe, maybe 70 is his floor. I don't know. You know, like uh, it, this is an interesting pick to me because I, even though he had this great season here, 42 points, I still think he's going to be undervalued next season. Like he's not a household name. You know I what was I mean? Say, and some of this goes to the same, same thing about Arizona. It, it applies to Florida is, is that, mm. you know, the, the, the hockey world doesn't gravitate to what's happening uh, with the Florida Panthers in the same way uh, that they do with bigger markets. And so, yeah, uh, a guy who, a guy who, I mean, look, everybody's aware of Matthew Tuchuk and he's way up at the, uh, the top tier. Uh, but it allows a guy like Verhage to slide in and give you some pretty nice value in, uh, kind of in the background no i love it i picked him in three spots like with my last pick last season i dropped him on two i dropped him on two i just so yeah i didn't get that second half bump but i held in one of the leagues and thank you carter hagee for your service all right that's nice um yeah love that player Good conversation there. All right. Um, I'll give you two real quick here. Uh, my last two, uh, just a couple players I want to bring your attention to. They did have good second halves here. Uh, first one is Mike Matheson of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, yeah. So he, he only got six points in the first 10 games, but he was injured, right? Or sorry, he only had 10 games in the first only half. Did. So he got yeah. six points there. Um, so it's not really a second half superstar. He's just a superstar at life. All right. Let's agree on that. Um, but, uh, second half, 28 points in 38 games to finish the season with a really stinky Montreal Canadiens team. Unfortunately, everybody was injured, right? Um, you know, so just, you know, I'm not going to talk so much about first half, second half, but, um, you know, for the season at even strength, uh, among defensemen, this guy was 23rd overall in shots and goal per 60, which is excellent. He's 20, 26 overall in individual Corsi four per 60, which is excellent. Right. And this is just a player I wanted to. I think it's going to be a value play next season. I think people aren't going to be rushing out to get the professor, Mike Matheson. They're going to, you know, he's going to be out there. You could pick this guy up with your last pick maybe. Um, So he's power play one. He's chugging minutes. Cole Caulfield is going to be healthy next season, right? We saw Montreal at the beginning of the season, the way Suzuki and Caulfield were were kind of cooking, right? Um, mm-hmm. they, they were doing doing a lot of good things. Um, You know, obviously we need Caulfield back in there. He's the, the premier uh fantasy and just regular option there for offense in, in yeah. Montreal. Um, but again, to your point, just hearing people around the player, um, you know, talk about the player. So I heard Martin St. Louis many times just singing Mike Matheson's praises. Like this guy's skating is insane. His deployment was insane. They were putting him out there for 29 minutes a night at times. Like that's huge. Like it's not just one game of 29 minutes. He, he was getting like 27 to 29 minutes on the regular. So those are things we have to take notice of. And, you know, unless they make some changes in Montreal and bring someone else in, I think it's Mike Matheson's show, at least power play one. That's huge, right? A yeah. D man power play one late in your drafts. This is the guy. Yeah. Go get, go get the professor. I love Mike Matheson. Um, I don't know. That's that, what do you think about Mike Matheson? Are you, you, I, I, I love the, the pick because, um, when you look at Montreal's defense and they've got a lot of good young defensemen, it's not guys who should knock Matheson um, mm-hmm. out of being number one, like Caden Gooley and Arbor Jekai and uh, Justin Barron. 
Jordan Harris. Like you've got a whole bunch mm-hmm. of these, you know, promising young defensemen who are going to be yep. a big part of what they're doing in the future, but it's just still be mass and getting the, the first unit power play time. And yeah. so, you know, the fact that he, he probably got deployed a little bit more than necessary. Like they had so many injuries yeah, it was late in the year. So he, he got probably more than is, you know, what he's going to do next season, but he's going to be, you know, eating big minutes and on the first unit power play. And because his whole career, he has never been really that guy. You know, he's always been a a second pairing kind of guy who uh, might get second unit power play time. Sometimes he didn't even get that. And and so he doesn't have this huge pedigree, huge reputation where people are going to be jumping to get him, especially in a season that's injury shortened. So I, I I think, yeah, he's a fantastic uh, guy to kind of, put on your radar and be ready to, to grab him in the later rounds next year and with, with a chance for a really good payoff. Yeah. Hell yes. You'll get the professor. Yeah. You're going to like the way you feel. I guarantee it. All right. And then, uh, sorry, the other player I wanted to mention really quick is Philip Gustafson of the Minnesota wild. Um, yeah, this, this obviously, you know, they're starting him in the playoffs. So that's a, that's a big, you know, development, right? Uh, that was interesting for, you know, round one, who are they going to play on Mark Andre Fleury or Gus? They elected Gus and then, uh, yeah, they made a mistake going back to Fleury in game two, but, <laughs> um, first half of the season, Gus with Minnesota, 16 games, nine wins, uh, 2.25 goals against and a nine two four save percentage. That's excellent. Those are great numbers in 16 games as a backup. And then uh, second half, Marc-Andre Fleury was injured for a little, a bit of it. Um, he played 23 games, uh, 13 wins. How about 2.01 goals against and a 9.36 save percentage? My God, buddy. Yeah, this is he, this man is stifling people on the regular. So to me, Gus is going to be the clear number one in Minnesota moving forward. So next season, right? Um, he was third overall in the league in goals saved again, uh, above average behind yeah. Sorokin and Olmark. What the, what are you doing? Oh my God. In Gus, we trust. That's, that's my motto there. So this is a player I'm going to be targeting. I think, you know, you could probably, you want to be drafting this guy later. Um, I don't know. I, I follow the draft strategy of zero G and I certainly will be doing that next season. Because yeah. what the hell, goalies are pissing me off. But uh, yeah. Can't, um, they can't be trusted. No, they can't be trusted. They're devious and they're just bad people. I mean, let's agree on that. But uh, this is a guy uh, I'll definitely be looking at, you know, if I can get him in the later rounds, this guy's going to be a beauty next year. I think he's going to have a special year. Uh, but those are my two guys there. Um, why, don't you, why don't you finish this off with a couple players there? Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got three more guys on my list. Yeah, First is let's Brady, get into Brady, Brady to Chuck. Um, the to Chuck brothers, uh, one of the things that I, I like about Brady is the, the pucks have started to go in the net for him. Uh, but he's earned them uh in the second half of the year he had 25.61 uh expected goals uh yeah. to lead the league and and i mean some of that is just a function of every shot he takes is from like within five feet of the crease he's you know right on top of the crease and, and getting a lot of those opportunities but as he gets uh, a a more skilled supporting cast in ottawa and that includes your boy timmy stutz, um, timmy stutz. that 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 means more opportunities for brady to chuck and so i yep. i i expect that you know the what we've seen uh, to this point, his career has been impressive, but I think, you know, having, having seen where Matthew's career has gone, uh, I, I don't, may, maybe Brady's ceiling isn't quite as high, but I mean, for fantasy purposes, if he's a guy who could score you 40 goals and then, you know, delivers shots and hits to the way he does, I mean, that's, that's premier uh, value for, for Brady to Chuck. Uh, I've also got Nico Heischer, uh for the New Jersey Devils. And, and now the interesting thing about Heischer is, so he scored 40 points in 40 games in the first half of the year. 
scored um, 40 points in 41 games in the second half of the year. But I'm telling you that, that there's more value here to Nico Heischer because the shooting percentage went down in the, yep. in the second yeah. half of the year, right? He only, he only scored on 9.2% of his shots in the second half of the year, and he still scored 40 points in 41 games. So what I'm saying is that, you know, you get you get that shooting percentage to 15%, and all of a sudden Nico Heischer, um, you know, goes, goes up off. Yeah. Past, past a point a game. And uh, there's there's a, a chance here that he kind of slides under the radar at, because he's, you know, not, not the most offensive uh, center on his team, right? Jack, Jack Hughes is – uh, kind of the bright light in that respect. And, and while he's here, you know, super valuable player in New Jersey because he's a good defensive player and, and plays you know, kind of the 200 foot game, but he's also a guy who's 200 foot game could lead him to you know a 90 point season. Uh, and so uh, I, I think the way the, the trajectory, the devils are on already um, is, is kind of boating pretty well for he's uh, production. Uh, my last guy is Jeremy Swayman. Uh, and yeah. you know, the, the guy who's backing up the current, uh, uh, favorite to win the Vesna trophy. Uh, and I'm sure that at the start of the year, uh, from one of my sports betting articles, I wrote about Swayman, uh, as having great value. Cause he was yeah. like a long shot 50 or 60 to one a, because he was playing, you know, behind the, the Bruins defense. Um, but the first half of the year, he, he wasn't playing that great. And he basically kind of lost the, the edge in that goaltending competition. And so he had a nine Oh five save percentage in 16 games in the first half. Allmark plays amazing and, and takes over. Uh, but in the second half, Swayman played 21 games, had a 9.30 save percentage, and kind of that's the Jeremy Swayman I, uh, I thought was out there. And, and so uh, I think, you know, the the value for any Boston goalie is going to be based on, you know, kind of which guy gets the uh, the bulk of the starts. But I think in either case, uh, Allmark or Swayman are going to be valuable players. The 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 value for a fantasy manager is that, you know, Swayman kind of comes with the, Oh, he was the backup last year. He he's not the reigning yeah. Vesna winner. You're going to get better value on, on Jeremy Swayman than you would on Omar. Yeah. Where do you think they're going? What, what are they going to do next season? I mean, obviously they've been, they've been going Omar here and he had the great season, but like, yeah, it, that's just an embarrassment of riches right there. Um, and yes. then, yeah, I didn't see, I, obviously I didn't see Boston doing what they did. I actually drafted in two leagues. I drafted the tandem. Um, mm. Allmark and Swayman. Uh, and, and people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't feel good about this, right? Because we knew it, like, it, wasn't, it wasn't a strategy. It was like, oh, God, these are the only guys left. Allmark? Like, oh, God. Swayman was going first, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I ended up with Allmark in two, uh, three spots because I ended up dropping Swayman in the first half of the season and someone picked him up. But, yeah, I had Allmark in three spots as a kind of a, like a last ditch, you know, like. Um, yeah, I okay, need to I guess start. Like Allmark, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, thank you, buddy. Um, you know, so that's an interesting one. And I love Brady Kachuk. This is a player I'm super high on too. Obviously, he checks every advanced stat box there is. Like shots on goal per 60, Corsi four, scoring chances. Like, and then he brings the perifs like a like a behemoth. Oh man, he, like shots, you know, hits ridiculous. And so I think that there's, you know, I think there's not uh, a bit of more of a ceiling on Brady Kachuk for sure. I feel like he could break out offensively. Like nothing crazy, nothing like Matthew Kachuk, but I mean 90 points maybe. You know, 90. Oh, man. Brady Kachuk with 90 points. That is beautiful. That is like the fantasy player of the year right there. As I play, uh, I don't know. Do you play like, well, first off, like what, what kind of leagues did you play this year? Did you play a bunch of leagues? And if so, did you play any category leagues? Yeah, I, I what I do, I think three leagues this year. And, and I, I've had, you know, years where I, I've played too many leagues. And, and right. that that's how I've sort of dialed myself back. Because what I found yeah. is, you start ignoring uh, certain leagues. It's like, you know, I, I'm not as interested in this team or that team. And now all of a sudden, well, now I'm managing five teams instead of seven. And 
and I've kind of left those two teams, you know, off to the side. And so now I, I tend to keep it around three or four, depending on the year. Um, I, I, I like with, with fantasy hockey, I'm, I'm pretty flexible in terms of whether it's a, um, you know, Roto or, or weekly head to head, those kinds yeah. of things. Like for my, for my fantasy baseball league, I like Roto and I'm, yeah. and I'm much more kind of committed to, this is the kind of league that I like to do. And, and, and we play that, but in hockey, I'm much more flexible, I guess, in, in terms of um, whether you go weekly head to head or Roto or, or whether you're just doing points. I mean, I, you know, if you want one, one of my favorite leagues, and I mentioned this all the time for, for playoff pools. And, and this got, this was going at TSN before I got there. Um, like literally Dave Hodge and Gord Miller were, were doing this. Um, they call it the single digit pool. Uh, for for the playoffs yeah so what you did you had to pick 10 players from 10 different teams their goal total had to equal 50 uh, for the regular season Uh, every player every player that you take (laughs) had to have between one goal and nine goals during the regular season so if it was somebody who didn't play well then they don't count you you like like Matthew Nyes didn't score for the Leafs this year he doesn't count you can't take him because he had zero goals but anybody who has one well, now they're eligible. And so you're trying to find the value of, you know, who's the guy who's injured, who's the guy who, you know, got called up partway through the year. However, you uh, find value in your guys who have between one and nine goals. And, and it ends up being, you know, it's, it's a complicated process to, to come up yeah. with your team because you start <laughs> mo- moving players in and out because you can't end up on 48 or 49 or 51. It has to exactly hit 50. And, and oh, so, man. yeah, that's so, so strange, but fun. Th- th- this is, this is the puzzle, uh, right. That, that you're trying to, to fill out. And, and, and so on one hand, it might be, Oh, um, I, I want to go back. There was one year, I think it was Martin Havlat missed a whole bunch of the year. and was like super valuable in this pool. Cause it's like, well, he's the first right. line forward <laughs> who, who yeah, fits exactly. in this pool. But a lot of times you're getting, well, here, here's the defenseman who's on the first unit power play, but he only scored eight goals this year. Well, it's a pretty good opportunity in the playoffs if, if that team is going to do anything, right? And so that I like doing those kinds of pools too, right? So oh, yeah. fantasy leagues and, and all that are, are awesome. But if you come up with a creative pool like that one, I'm, I'm in. Like they're, the, the guys when, when kind of the playoffs would roll around at TSN, it was like, oh, single digit pool is back. Oh, that's so, so sweet. Yeah, I, I love that's that. how the pros do it, everybody. All right. They're on <laughs> another level. All right. They're, they're, they're getting the biz. Um, yeah, I love it. Um, this, this stuff is so fun. Um, yeah, I'll never stop. I can't, but I will do less leagues next year. Oh my God. Um, you know what I love? Yeah. Nine nine is insane. (laughs) It it doesn't make any sense. And I didn't, I didn't mail in any leagues. I, I did them all. Uh, and and I think, yeah, it was bad. I'm going to do kind of a season wrap up with all my leagues, but I didn't place higher than third. I placed third in, (laughs) in six leagues of nine. In six. Yeah. So I made the playoffs in all but one. Uh, but yeah, I like, these are, these are good quality leagues of like, you know, uh, engage managers and stuff. So, yep. you know, it's interesting. That this matters. is the first year, first year I haven't won and I played the most leagues. What, what kind of advanced statistics are those? <laughs> uh, that doesn't make any well, sense. You're going for the high course in terms of the most number you, you, of leagues. Should, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Just throw a bunch at the net. Let's see what sticks, <laughs> you know, that's where I'm at. So, uh, cool. But anyways, that, uh, that was awesome. That was so much fun to chat with you, Scott. I really appreciate your time there. Um, I'd love to have you back on the show anytime. It's an open invitation, my man. All right. Yeah, for sure. I, I enjoyed it. We had a good time. A good time was had by all. All right. Um, this has been Scott Cullen. You can find him on Twitter at by Scott Cullen. All right. Uh, please check out McKean'sHockey.com. They got draft guides, prospect analysis, NHL yearbooks, all the stuff you need to dominate 
All right. You got to dominate. Uh, anything uh, I can plug for you or you want to give a plug uh, shout out here to Scott? Sure. I, I also, you can find me at scottcullenhockey.substack.com. I, uh, d- depending on, uh, on how much time I have, I, ha- I end up uh, either very active on there or not very active at all. And now I, I'm about to have more time. So um, there will probably be quite a bit of off season uh, content coming there. There you go. Scott's getting the biz. You got to get in there and check out what he's doing if you want to win your leagues next season. All right, Scott, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in. We got more off-season content on the way. Celebrate your day, everyone. Bye for now. A rational explanation is hardly necessary.